0: I, am I part? How do I become a part? How can people know me? I just want to encourage you that really the life of what we do as a ministry happens at 135 Western Avenue and a house where we gather together and pray. And also, a part of the real life and family element of what we do as a church happens when we meet as small groups and we come around God's Word and we come around prayer, we come around fellowship. That's really where we find placement. And so I just want to encourage you guys to throw yourself in. Don't stand on the sidelines, man. Listen, I spent a lot of my 20s standing on the sidelines of the church, and I regret every minute of it. Um, I I really did. uh, I lacked really investing myself for a season. And you know what? Who lacked the most? It wasn't the church. It was me. The bottom line is we need one another, guys. There's a reason for all of this. There's a reason why we do this. Believe it or not, we do it for each other's survival, you know, when a community is talked about in the Bible, have you ever found or noticed that it's primarily talked about in context to perilous times and hard times? Just the fact that we need one another, we're going to need one another in the times that we're going to face as a generation, as a people. This is no small, it's no small thing at all. And so I want to encourage you to get involved with the big picture uh, uh, here at Hilltop. Some of you are, so please, if you're, if you're in there throwing down, keep throwing down, keep coming, keep throwing yourself in the mix. Some of you have yet to really uh, engage and kind of throw yourself in. I just encourage you, throw yourself in, see what God might do uh, in, in your life. Amen? Well, that's not my sermon. Um, and so I get the privilege of uh, starting off our series. I haven't been you know, in this capacity of ministry, I think, since the 1st of December. Uh, it's now the 24th of January. So I've been even though I've been here, I've been involved in leading worship and whatnot, I've really, I have really not preached. And so I'm excited. I don't know if you're excited, uh, you know, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm excited. And um, I just feel so encouraged by the last uh, two months, uh, seeing through the Daniel series, a series that we started on the 1st of December, some of our leadership, uh, our elders step up to the plate and give us a thorough overlook, an in-depth look at the life of Daniel. It inspired me. Uh, in my own personal faith and journey in the Lord, uh, and and then obviously we went into our board member Mamdua Riyad. Did I pronounce that name right? I, I want to say Mamdua, Mamdua. It's all sorts of things. I don't know. I just get the tongue twisted on that one. But uh, he serves on our board. He's a doctor in the Cape. In the Cape, and uh, he came and, and spoke at the beginning of January on having ears to hear. What? A, what? A, I mean. Thorough, just overlook of the Bible. You know, looking how God acts and reacts and works in the Old Testament and actually applying that to us now in, in our generation, in our time, looking at God as God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, and then we went right from there into having Corey Russell with us for two days. I mean, was that not awesome? I mean, I know some of you, you got scared at Saturday night meeting. You know, like, who is this church? They are far more reserved than this. Uh, you know, we're not. Uh, we're, we're just not a reserved group. Um, you know, we're tongue talking, Holy Spirit believing community. I'm sorry if you're scared about that, but um, read your Bibles. I know it's, it's there. It's, it's there. God's not done. Remember, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we're big on that. And Saturday, I was just, I was just encouraged and strengthened in my own walk with the Lord. Um, and it was so deeply impacting in my own life and my own personal journey to have Corey here. It always is. We have the privilege of having him here uh, once a year, as many others speak into our community. And that's what leads us to today, the 24th of January. Um, it was in the, beginning of the, in the beginning of January excuse me, that I started just uh, you know, just kind of saying, Lord, what's next? After all of this passes, after me and Bethany have a long break you know, from the pulpit, Um, what, what, what should we kind of get into next as a community? And, um, you know, I, I've had some of these scriptures stirring in my heart for years. And, um, I just felt like it was time, uh, to get into this, uh, biblical topic, this, this topic that's in the Bible. It's got a bit of an obscure name. We're calling the series Awake. You know, you're, some of you are like, well, I'm awake. I'm here. I'm coherent. I'm breathing. Hey, how you doing? Um, but I, I, and for some, of me, for some of you here, you find me even saying that a little bit ridiculous, but I want to just kind of track in the beginning uh, as we start this series, I want to kind of just um, talk about some things I'm not talking about or I'm not going to address and some things that, I'm, that I am. Because I understand that in our community, there's such a mixed group, you know, um, there's such a a mixed group. Uh, you know, kind of walk and life and and outlook and overlook of the Bible and how we approach it and how we look at it. You know, I could say awake and some of you are probably thinking, I'm awake, dude. But I'm not going to be talking about a physical, physically being awake. I'm going to be talking about spiritually being awake. Okay. And for some of you, that's new language, but hold on. It's okay. And and for others, you're laughing at me and say, why are you even saying this? It's important. Not of all of us are familiar with the charismatic lingo and jargon uh, and, and 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 kind of topics. You know, a lot of us here have really no uh, understanding of what words like this mean and how we're applying them. So I want to be very clear. Um, so first, I want to talk about briefly, just briefly, what I mean. You know, again, I'm not talking about physically uh, being awake or physically being asleep or. Other words that we'll get into is like dead. You know, who wants to hear that on a Sunday morning? I'm not talking about physically being dead. I'm talking about spiritually being dead. We're going to get into some hard hitting scripture today. Is that okay? Yeah. We're not going to steer away and kind of just gravitate to scripture we like and makes us feel good on the inside. We're going to get into some real hard hitting stuff today, hopefully. And and hopefully God is going to help me uh, uh, with clarity preach this word so that you're provoked into the things of God. But before we do that, can we pray? All right, I'll ask again. Can we pray? Yeah. Now, will you pray with me? Yeah. Okay, don't daff out at your iPhone, your iPad. Don't look at, I know it's a pretty decent backdrop here. You know, the snow is now on the ground, but try to just engage your spirit. Come on, can you engage your spirit for three minutes with me and just, yeah. let's call upon the Lord. Father, we believe that, Lord, you're still moving in the earth, Lord. We, we believe, God, that even, God, because of that, you want to speak something this morning into the life of our community. And so, Lord, we put no trust in ourselves. We put no trust in our ability to communicate and our, our, our wit and our charisma. God, we put no trust in that. We place our confidence in you, and we ask that your spirit would aid us that your spirit would come alongside of us and lead us and impact our lives and provoke us unto righteousness. God, I'm asking, Lord, for the spirit of God to come into this place and provoke minds and provoke hearts to come out of laziness and uh, complacency. Uh, Lord, that we would be able to, by the grace of God, cast off a lethargic spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen amen. Okay, turn with me to the gospel of Matthew briefly. I'm going to give a little backdrop or a little kind of foundational work of what I'm talking about here before we get into our word. Before I do that, I'm going to bring this up a little bit. Things are so complicated. Matthew 23, I got it, man. I got it. I think so. The snow does weird things. It, it, does, it, it forgets... You forget even how to operate the simplest of things that you, you do all the time. Matthew 23. Who, who's there? Anybody there? Anybody bring your Bibles today to church? You know? Okay. It's okay if you're sporting the iPad. It's all right. It's allowed. It's the 21st century. All right. 27 and 28. Here we go. Jesus saying... He's talking to a group of religious teachers. They are called Pharisees. And he says this. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, Beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurities. I don't know about you, but that's the last thing I want Jesus to say about me. Uh, and don't think for a moment that any of us are exempt from the truth that Jesus would say about our hearts, opposed to the way that you maybe even view your own heart or in its condition. But Jesus goes on in verse 28. He says, outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Ouch, Jesus, could you just, you know, could you just tell us the truth? Uh, Jesus makes a distinction here, doesn't he? What appears by most observers, people who are observing these Pharisees, is that these guys are beautiful, they're done up, they're manicured, they're looking good, hair's done, you know, robes brilliantly pressed, uh, and they look good. Uh, to the naked eye. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. You may look good on the outside. You may have a certain beauty about you on the outside, but inwardly, you are dead. Now, Jesus is not talking about physically being dead. (laughs) They're not dead. They're very much alive. They're very much uh, leading the Jewish people and the law, the law of Moses. So they're not dead at all. Jesus is talking about an inward death. There's no reality of God on the inside, essentially, is what Jesus is saying. Even though their appearance looks beautiful, I want you to get this, even though they look awesome, smiling, they got their God face on, inside, Jesus says, no, you are dead. And it's because of two issues, primarily to Jesus, and that's because of hypocrisy and lawlessness, which lawlessness just means sin that is run rampant, sin that is no longer governed by a moral conscience uh, of saying, this is wrong. I, I need not to travel this road. And so Jesus makes this distinction. He says, guys, I know you look beautiful and to everybody here, uh, you know, they think you're pretty special. But here's the truth. You are like whitewashed tombs. Now, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody here today. I am not calling you uh, a Pharisee. I'm not calling you dead on the inside. We're going to let the Holy Spirit convict us of sin. I'm just bringing it into play to help us understand that this is not a physical death that Jesus is talking about, but this is a spiritual death that he is talking about. Turn with me to Revelations chapter 3, 1 through 2. Is it okay if we get into the Bible today? Yeah. Okay, some of you are on board. How many are with me? Okay. You know, I just have to find yourself throughout the, the message saying, God, just get this funk off me. Get this... Get this, whatever this is, whatever this heaviness. How many are feeling heavy today? Raise your hand. Just be honest. If you're, if you're feeling heavy, just like loaded down with the pressures. Okay, Holy Spirit, I ask that you break in right now. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would lift our heaviness and you would put on us garments of praise, Jesus. Lord, that we would look at no obstacle being greater than you, but that you would fill our eyes. And by filling our eyes, we would see the truth and cast off the heaviness and the weight of the week, the month, and the year. Revelations chapter 3. The first two verses. I'm going to start the second half of verse 1, so I'm going to bypass the whole angel of the Lord stuff. Um, (laughs) Second half of verse 1, it says, I know the things you do. Who's these things that these people do? Well, it's a church in Sardis. I think I pronounced that right. Essentially here, John Uh, actually, Jesus speaks through John to seven churches. I actually call the seven churches the seven conditions of humanity. Uh, You know, because everything is applicable to us today. And so we can read revelations not thinking if it's a time off there. We can apply it currently. And so Jesus says, the words in red, are the words in red in your Bibles? Do you have your Bibles? Are the words in red? Yep, so this is Jesus talking. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation. Some of you are like, "Why do you stop there?" <laughs> very, very important. Same thing, essentially. Jesus says to these Pharisees in the Gospel of Matthew, he says to the Church of Sardis. He says, "Listen, I know you have a reputation for being alive. Again, this is not physically being alive. This is spiritually being vibrant and alive. Jesus, the Messiah, through John is saying, "Listen." Sardis, I know you have a reputation for being alive, but, but, you are dead. Ouch! Let Jesus never say that about Hilltop Church. Oh, Lord. God, keep us alive. Keep us alive. He says you are dead, and then he goes on to say, Wake up! Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. For the sake of reputation, repeating myself, uh, yeah, okay, I'm going to say reputation because I'm stuck there, but I'm not going to get stuck there. But for the sake of just saying it again, for some of us who don't really get into or understand or can wrap our minds around this type of uh, conversation and language, Jesus again is not talking about spiritually being—I mean, physically being asleep. He's talking about being spiritually asleep. Their spirits, their spirit man is laxed. It's uninterested. Put on your listening ears. It's uninterested. It's uninvolved, unengaged. Simply they could care less. And you know the saddest thing about it? Amongst other churches, they have a reputation of being alive. What's my point? My point is, is that Jesus oftenly sees things differently in us than what maybe others see in us. And maybe even, can I go as far as to say, what we see of ourselves. And surely it is in these two cases. And this is just two scripture verses that help us understand um, this concept of being awakened or alive. The scriptures speak of spiritual deadness and slumber, again, not physically being dead or asleep. This may seem laughable again to most of us as we're not necessarily have been brought up in the charismatic world or the world of where actually things like these are, are spoken about and preached about. But the Bible is full. The Bible, especially the New Testament, is full of this type of language. And again, Jesus sees things, guys, oftenly entirely different than our peers, entirely different than ourselves, entirely different than our family members. Why? Because we know from Scripture, Jesus is not interested uh, 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 on just and focused on the outer shell of man. He he's looking at the inner man, the thoughts, the emotions. We all have thoughts. You're probably having some of them right now. Who knows what they are? Hopefully they're, they're good and godly. Uh, but we all have thoughts, so we can all equate. That's what Jesus is looking at. He is not concerned about what you're wearing today. Obviously, to a certain degree, listen, you know, in our culture today, we kind of run rampant. But Jesus is not necessarily so concerned about your hairstyle, your makeup, your outward appearance. He's looking at your inner person. He's looking at your character. He's looking at how you steward money, how you serve, how you treat your wife. He's, steward, he, he's looking at how you're dating, how you're giving yourself to His Word. That's what He's looking at. And so I just want to remind us of that today. Tony looks like, I already know that. Okay. Okay, let's just pause here. And now I'm just going to put another like cornerstone in this foundation. Is it okay? I just kind of want to build upon something strong, a strong case that can help us understand that that Jesus loves us. Yeah. Okay, with this being said, turn with me to the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. One verse, I know for say, I heard, wow, I'm like, some of you guys are already checking out. You're like, oh my God, where is this guy going to go? The Song of Solomon. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away. I'm going there. I'm going there. And for men who have a problem with intimacy with the Lord. Guys, just get over it because uh, we're His bride and there's no distinction between male or female. We are His bride. Okay? And so in the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, simply uh, kind of a poetic verse and I hopefully can bring some understanding. It says, Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love. For the grapevine are blossoming okay guys simply before you check out and before i lose you especially some of your men don't worry I, I you can keep your man card you're good uh it's it's okay to be tender it's okay to be intimate with the lord i'm not talking about sexual Im- intimacy friends i'm talking about just the intimacy at heart where we can respond correctly as men and not feel like oh it's threatening our manhood And so, here in the Song of Solomon, it talks about these little foxes, these little pesky appetites, if you would, these little temptations. Let's just call it for what it is as you study it. It's, it's sin. It's sin. And right here in Solomon, he's, he's doing this beautiful poetic verse of saying, listen, first of all, beware. Beware of these things. Beware of these little foxes. Uh, just, don't, uh, just don't stop at being aware that they're there, but catch them up. Safeguard yourself, in other words, against these little foxes. Why? Because they seek to ruin the vineyard of love. Okay, let's, let's, let's look at this, right? Jesus says what? He says to, um, I forget uh, who it was exactly in the gospel, forgive me, I'm having a brain cramp right now, but the guy, I think it was a Pharisee, he says, he, they're talking about the law, and he pretty much has just asked him a question, he's like, what's the most important law that there is? Jesus says, well, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, right? We know the scripture, he goes through this, but, but understand that this is the same love that in the Song of Solomon, he's telling us to safeguard. Okay, it's because of love that we need to be aware of some of these things. Pretty much the essence and the cornerstone of what I'm going to bring uh, into focus today through the sermon is that we are to uh, partner with God in this story of love. It's not just God's love for us. It doesn't just stop with his love for us. We already know that God loves us. I I don't know if there's anybody here, and I hope there's not, that are confused on that issue. He sent his only son to die for us right, you, so that we could be reconciled with his Father. I mean, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't give my son up for anything. Yeah. I'll just be quietly frank. You know, but God does it. And I feel good about having only one child, honey. God only had one child. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm preaching, guys. Anything could happen. I'm, I, anything could happen. But anyways, this, in this song, we are, we are exhorted, we are encouraged. Matter of fact, we are commanded to protect that vineyard of love. Why? Well, according to the Song of Psalm, it's tender. Come on, how many feel like your love for Jesus is very weak? It's very tender. It's always... It's always kind of governed and led by circumstances and how your day's going and if your bank account's in the black. You know, it's always, if if you and your wife are getting along. You know, there's so many things that stir and direct our emotions that honestly, guys, we're commanded in Scripture to safeguard and to fight for this love. We play a part. And so these little foxes are little pesky appetites and passions which are uh, in this text, and they seek to destroy and crush good beginnings and ruin the tender blossoming of love. This is the same love that Jesus tells the seven churches to return to in the book of Revelations. It's the same love that Jesus said was the greatest commandment, and it's the same love here that song in the Song of Solomon is talking about. And so it's upon this foundation that I want to build. Guys, it's all about love. And not just God's love for you, but your love for Him. We talked about it, I think, back when we were in the Sheraton, that love looks like something. We can't just mainly say, God, I love you. God, our love for God looks like something. Come on, if I just told my wife that I love her, all the time, but never showed that love, what would that communicate to her? Very simply. Or for our sons, our children, or for friends that you really cherish and admire. If you weren't show God is the same way, guys. God is the same way. Okay. This leads us, fast-tracking, into Ephesians chapter 5. Turn there with me. It's okay? Talk, bring a lot of scripture into play? Everybody doing all right? Okay? If, if you're having a hard day, we'll pray for you after service. Ephesians five, chapter five. This kind of started. This particular scripture started um, in me. I think when when Mandua was speaking, he actually used this text in his sermon. Ears to hear, and um, yeah, in w- in what way, uh, you know, it it this thing started off in me. Uh, but I was just deeply impacted when he said this text, and he read it out loud. Um, God did something in my spirit. It was like, woo. I don't know if he was trying to awaken me personally or just trying to get me awake or whatever, but spiritually. Um, but I, I kind of uh, was actually uh, stirred to kind of lead us in this direction um, from Mandua's message. Matter of fact, even the book of Daniel. Because it's going to be hard, you know, even if God is looking for modern day Daniels, of which I believe he always is and he always will be, it's going to be very hard to be uh, a Daniel, to be somebody of that character. And that spiritual quality, if we're not awakened by the Spirit of God, it's, it's like an oxymoron. You know, it's like, the two, it's like oil and water. They just don't mix. And so, Mondua had read this one scripture in verse 14 of chapter 5, and it says this, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Now, I want to go back to verse 1, because I think it will help us better understand and kind of wrap some meat, if you would, around this uh, kind of, What maybe some of you are viewing as a misplaced text or scripture. And so let's go back to verse 1 and let's look at it from the beginning to this concluding thought. Uh, Essentially, Paul is um, quoting not line upon line, preceptive, you know, word upon word, uh, a a statement that Jesus made in the gospel in verse 14. But he starts off in uh, verse 1 of chapter 5 and he says this. Just look at it because I just get your eyes on it. That way, it can have the deepest impact. Um, it says, "Imitate God." Well, that's a tall order. Jeez, Paul, you got to start. You got to start right there, bro. <laughs> really, imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do. Uh, We need a a theologian, I think, to unpack that, because some of you guys are like, what? But here's Paul in verse 5. He starts off, he's talking to believers. That's important. He's talking to people who have a history in the Lord, who have been walking with the Lord for some time. He says, imitate God, not just in some things, not just when you choose to. There's There's no conditions. There's no seconds. It's imitate God in everything you do. Let's just let that sink into our minds and our hearts. Imitate God in everything you do. Why? Well, the answer is simply, simple. Yours, dear children. Essentially, you're a new person. And Paul's going to go on to explain that. And I want to make that kind of like uh, the the crutch or the hallmark of these verses. It says, live a life filled with love. Don't you love that the scriptures always in exhorting us with kind of like these hard, like wrap your mind around uh, scriptures with like, with this, with this, strong emphasis of love. Think about it. You know, if I have, uh, or speak with the tongue of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a clang. You know, everything seems to revolve and surround and be centered around love. And I love that God does that. Um, Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. See, we have an example in this. We're not clueless. One, Paul says, you're new. You're his children. You're uh, the adopted ones. He is Your Father, He has saved you. He is bringing you in as one of His own. You're not the same. And then he goes on, and if if you're clueless about what I mean by imitating God, he says, follow the example of Jesus. (laughs) Simple, right? We're not clueless. We don't have to be like, oh my God, imitate God. No, we have the example of Christ. So he says, follow the example of Jesus. He loved us. He offered himself as a sacrifice, as a pleasing aroma to God. And then here we go into some more eye-opening text. He says, Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place amongst God's people. Say such sins. Say it way that you actually believe it. Such sins? have no place amongst God's people. That might have been a little too much. Sorry, guys, to overwhelm you. Um, obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. I, I could... Jesus, help me. Uh, yeah, I like to have fun. <laughs> Course, I don't know. We'd have to define that. I'm just joking, guys. I'm just joking. It's all right. These are not for you. These are not for you. He starts off and saying, listen... You have to understand, again, this is all in context of people who have had a relationship with Jesus for some time. They are not clueless. He says, listen, you have to understand that you are no longer a slave to sin. You know, we all sing it. I'm no longer a slave. And we all just light up. Oh, no, I'm no longer. But, but see, there has to be something that, 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 that proves that in our lives. You can't just go on singing the song, but yet living as a slave. And essentially, that's what Paul's saying. Listen, you're new. <laughs> you're children of God. And God's people have nothing to do with such sin. I know, I know, the three-letter word, sin. <laughs> we try so hard to stay away from that word in church today. want everybody feel good, feel comfortable, you know, break out in hives or sweat, you know. Uh, but the Bible, I don't know how we can avoid it, it's everywhere. (laughs) It's everywhere. And so he says this, he says, you're new, you're his dear children, you're no longer to partake in this, and if you are clueless on how to imitate God the Father, look at the example of Jesus. These are not for you. Instead, now we have the opposite of what is for us, of what these people in Ephesus should adhere to. And gravitate and cleave to and live in instead let there be thankfulness to god you can be sure oh this is this is hard this is really hard and and we're you know i'm not going to get into anyways let's read you can be sure that no immoral impure or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of christ and of god for a greedy person is an idolater Worshipping the things of this world. Don't be fooled, he says. Don't be fooled by those trying to excuse their sins. For the anger of God will fall on all those who disobey him. Guys, these are not my words. These are the words of a guy who, read, who wrote 33 books in the New Testament. He's a heavy hitter in the New Testament. This is Paul the Apostle in his letter to the Ephesians. Don't participate in these things these people do. Again, here we have some of the same language of verse 1 through 3. It says this, um, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light within you that produces, this light only produces what is good, right, and true. I love this verse. I just love this verse because it just so speaks into... And, and kind of brings closure to some of these hard-hitting uh, scripture verses that we're reading. It says this, it says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So Some of us act like we know. <laughs> I know what pleases the Lord. Um. I'm no longer a slave on Sunday. Whoa. But Monday comes, and, oh my God. Guys, I'm throwing myself in the mix. And I'm not trying to say that to dull down the raw, hard-hitting words that Paul is writing to these group of believers. I'm throwing myself in the mix. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Verse 11. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them you know what's wrong with the church? Again, throwing myself in the mix. We're called to expose sin and bring the truth of God into sinful dark places. But most of us have no problem just hanging out in dark places and trying to come into the light when we have a little service or a prayer set. You understand that this is all for a reason. We're light bearers, guys. We bear the light of Christ in us and that light becomes when not carefully determining what pleases the lord that light becomes a flickering kind of a yeah my front light always goes out especially in the cold dies jeremy riddle was saying about light and the effects it has in a completely dark room you know you're in dark, and you're like, you get, maybe there's a bunch of people around, and you're like, I'm oh, feeling people, you're like, oh, people over there. But then the light comes on, and usually, like, everything is exposed. We're to be light bearers, guys. We're called to not dwell in darkness. We're called into being sons and daughters. And ultimately, guys, this is the most terrifying part of this text, is that because we are children of God, and because we have the light within us, That light, get this, according to Paul, only produces what is pure and true and right. What does that mean? Well, it says, it means to me, that if there's things that are mixing up with that light, or kind of taking the effects or the the radiant beams of that light out of focus or out of play, it's because I'm filling my life with other things. I'm entertaining Two realities, almost. I'm trying to keep one here and then one here. You know, just like, I can't split too much. These are kind of skinny jeans. (laughs) (laughs) The startling thing about Paul's words here is that what the light of God does in our lives, it only produces what is good, right, and true according to him. In darkness... Folly, em- uh, vainness, whatever you want to call it, emptiness, sin. It's not God. And don't be fooled. A lot of fools of the church. And I say that with the utmost kindness and love, but we have a lot of fools in the church who are fooled and thinking that they're beautiful and that they're all put together and God just overlooks things when it comes to their behavior and sin. I'm no longer a slave. I love this one. In, In fear there is... What is it? In love there is no fear. Wait, is that what it is? No, no, no. I'm not talking about the scripture verse. I'm not talking about the scripture verse. I understand the scripture verse. There's somebody who's walking around like there's no fear in love. That's what it is. Guys, we better fear God. There is fear in love. There's a holy fear that comes upon us and says, God, only what you produce, only what you create inside of me, is good, true, and perfect. And sometimes it's very contrary to the truth in our lives. So this leads us to verse 12. It is shameful to even talk about these things that ungodly godly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will expose, their evil intentions will be exposed, excuse me, when the light shines on them. For the light makes... Everything visible. This is why it is said, "Awake, O Waco sleeper, rise from the dead." That Christ will give you life. I, I, I like that the the awake, O Waco sleeper, and rise from the dead comes first before Christ gives us light. I, I I sometimes feel like even in my own life, like I'm just waiting for the light. God, fill me with light. But what, what I forgot to understand is that God is saying, "No." Awake, sleeper! Come out of this death that you're in. Come out of this 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 lethargic, lax, complacent attitude spiritually. And you know what? If you come out, I'll give you light. <laughs> I'll give you light. I love that that comes. How are we doing on time? What time is it? Eleven thirty. I just. I want to be sensitive to that. Again, what's important to note here in Ephesians is that Paul is talking to believers. And his recommendation, his um, remedy, his prescription is that they would awake and rise not from physically being dead, but spiritually being dead, that Christ could give them light. We're going to... Hopefully, have some time for this. Turn to John chapter five. Is everybody okay? All right, you're you're free to go if you got to. Um, yeah, no one's going to keep you here. Although I may expose it, and just we may laugh at you a little bit. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. It's okay. It's church. You can smile. It's okay to tell jokes. It's John chapter five. Actually, John chapter five twenty-five is where Paul kind of takes um, that uh, verse fourteen of chapter five of Ephesians again, not. Line upon line, not word upon word, but it's where it's taken from. But here we have a story of a lame man, and we actually can see within this story um, this or how this kind of plays out in the life of a lame man who was paralyzed for 38 years, hanging out by some river or some pool that people would go into and be healed. They went in there for medicinal reasons, excuse me, and so, here is my hope to just kind of give, kind of like a, or to paint a picture for actually what this looks like. And so, um, John chapter 5, things to be noted this man had been sick for uh, 38 years. Uh, so, uh, my kind of uh, assumption here and assertion is, is that people knew of this guy. I mean, you just don't hang around 38 years by a particular pool that was really filled with a lot of sick people, and no one knows you, I'm sure. He he was known, Um, and I'm sure that even Jesus, maybe not knew him personally, but knew that he was sick and had been sick for some time. Um, So let's get right into the read here, Uh, verse one. Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holidays. Instead, the city near the Sheep Gate was the Pool of Bethesda. Bethesda, thank you. uh, With five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, crowds, there was a lot of people there, blind, lame, or paralyzed, laid on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. This is the man that Jesus heals on a rather unpopular day to heal him, evidently. I guess there's, there's some kind of clause in the Mosaic law. It says, you will not work on this particular day. And you know, quite to, as you study it, you look at it that actually the gripe of these Pharisees who ridiculed Jesus for healing the man, their real gripe was with uh, the claims of Jesus being Messiah, but the work thing came into play that this guy actually picked up his mat and walked. <laughs> Can you imagine that? That's what they were all like—all in a tizzy over. I don't know about you, anytime I see a lame man walk that's been lame for 38 years, I don't think I'm going to be too uh, upset about it. I would be pretty happy. And so that's the backdrop of this story. Um, so this man had been laying there for some time. When Jesus saw him, we're in verse 6. He had been ill for a long time. He asked him, would you like to be well? Would you like to be well? It's a pretty honest question, isn't it? You know, it's not a course. Um, He said, I can't, sir. Yeah, not filled with a lot of faith. Uh, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. Again, the guy picked up his mat, 38 years, paralyzed, lame, can't walk. He picks up his mat, and I guess it just, it just sat wrong. But really, the true object of their frustration was Jesus. It always had been in Jesus' time. They wanted to kill him, stone him, any way to flog him, any way to get him out of the picture they wanted to. Um, and, but this man was healed. We're moving down in verse 13. The man didn't know... I'm sorry, the man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. You know, I love that about Jesus. You know, often in the charismatic world, once a healing happens, we'll Facebook it, we'll Twitter it, we'll put it on video. Ah, this man's walking! Ah, put it all over. You you, you know, commonly, Jesus' practice was disappearing. You know, Uh, it's it's pretty powerful. Um, But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him now, Are you well? So, I'm sorry, now you are well, excuse me. So stop, what does your translation say, Will? Ooh. So stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. I don't even know where to begin with that verse. Now, I understand the immediate thought is like, okay, so sickness is directly connected to sinning. That's not what I'm saying. It's It's more likely that Jesus is talking about a moral um, crumbling in this man. A a place where he... uh, Something far worse than his physical lameness is what most commentaries and most writers say. Something that is far more um, uh, colossal and devastating in the effects of having a a lame spirit, a lame inward man, you know, uh, 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 and, and, and to Jesus... That's exactly almost all commentaries and all theologians are unanimously saying that Jesus was not talking about physically sinning, but he was talking, Jesus was confronting and saying, Listen, don't get into a stupor. Don't get laxed. Or something might worse, something far worse might happen. That's powerful. And so then we have the irate leaders and Pharisees. Jesus kind of drops a bomb about his deity. Uh, and uh, that doesn't sit well. That doesn't bode well. And here he goes in 25. He says, Jesus, words in ready." He says, I'm kind of moving fast, guys, because I, I feel like there's enough material to cover another Sunday. So I, I want to conclude here, though. Jesus, in verse 25, he says this, And I assure you that the time is coming and indeed is here now. When the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live, the Father has life in Himself, and He has granted that same life-giving power to, to His Son. I want, to, I, want to underst- I want us to understand that both the word dead and life have dual meaning in the, in the Hebrew. And it... it, it 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 speaks to those, and that's why Jesus said that for the time is coming, but is also here now. So he's saying, essentially, God has granted me, Jesus, not me, but Jesus, life-giving power. And it's not just to raise the people in the grave. (laughs) It's not just for a time that's coming, but it's here, it's now. And I have the ability, essentially, modeled in the first verses of chapter 5 in this layman, I have the power not only to do it unto eternity, but I have the power to do it now. Exactly what I just demonstrated in healing this lame man. And again, we can look at the miracle, but essentially, in verse 13, Jesus is not talking about his physical lameness when he says, stop sinning. Essentially, Jesus most likely grabbed the man and said, stop sinning or something far worse will happen. But again, when we unpack what sinning means, we understand that it's more so having a laxed spirit than it is continuing sin. I don't know anybody that I know, me including, that really has a high tolerance or gravitates towards sin when they're alive in their spirit. The last thing I want to do when I'm living alive, when Jesus has awoken me, my spirit man, the last thing I'm going to do is death out at sin and entertain sin. Amen. Come on. For me, I'm like Rocky Balboa on steroids when Jesus got my heart and when I'm awakened in my inward man. And so Jesus says, I not only have the power to raise the dead, I also have the power to raise those who are spiritually lame, who are spiritually stupid. See, some of you, some of us, that sounds better, doesn't it, than, than accusing. Uh, <laughs> Some of us think, you know, we, we, we kind of roll around in life and thinking that life is just hard and the devil's just after me and just having a bad week. My friends don't like me. My mom says my breath smells. You know, just, just not good, not good. But a lot of what we face, guys, is really just the consequences of an apathetic spirit. The place where your spirit man should shine the most is in some of the most traumatic, dark, hard to navigate, hard to work through places in life. That's when we shine the most. That's when we should shine the most, guys. And so, my heart in the first part of the series is one that we recognize. God wants us alive. Jesus said that he came to give life and life more abundantly, folks. And that's just not on the side of glory. That's here today. Your life is to be filled with the abundance of Jesus. Not to be the victim to your own circumstances and bad days. Had a bad day again. You ever heard that song, Fuel? I'm kind of dating myself a little bit there. God, through Jesus, gives us life, not just eternal life, but abundant life here. That we can rise to every occasion. (laughs) We can rise to every storm and shine the resilience of Jesus, the work of God inside of our inner man at plague. I, I don't know about you. Every time I hear somebody's having a bad day again and I see, like take for instance, Corey Russell. The man stands here and preach, but little of us know that he lost his son not too time ago, and not too long ago, recently. But you would never know. Why? He's heartbroken. It's hard. It's not easy. That's a traumatic thing. They were waiting a long time for a boy. If you know Corey personally, felt like it was a miracle that God actually blessed them and God had actually had favor on them by giving him a boy. Then, all of a sudden, in a tender age, I don't know how, nine months, he died in his sleep and never woke again. But you would never know that because Corey has tapped into something in God that's available. We shine the most, guys. We we are to burn the brightest when trouble is on our doorsteps when emotionally physically we're experiencing pain that's our opportunity to be Jesus in the earth but it can't happen apart from slumbering it can't happen apart of sleeping at the wheel And and just cruising through life, uninvolved. You know, that was the problem with most of the seven churches in Revelation. They were uninterested. They didn't care about, uh, you know, service. They didn't care about the kingdom of God. They, 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 They had no personal attachment, no personal engagement of their own spirit over the people of rightly shepherding those who were lost and those who were in pain and devastated. Just let's cruise. Let's cruise. The most dangerous thing, guys, in the church today, I believe, and this it's just probably just one of them, but it's, 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 it's up there, is slumber. It's, it's knowing what to do and never doing it. You know that that was the disease of these hypocrites, the Pharisees? You know, some of us think that they're just a model of what to stay away from. They are, <laughs> even though Jesus said, do what they teach. When I learned that, I was like, no way. (laughs) I would dare to say that there is the resemblance, there is the attitude of the religious structure, the religious, pious, beautiful on the outside, dead on the inside people in the church today. I don't know about you. I didn't sign up. I didn't give my life to Christ to just cruise I didn't say yes to the Lord just to have a nice house and a couple kids and a dog. I have all of them. That's what happens when you give your life to Jesus. He still takes care of it. But I didn't didn't sign up not to take chances or risk. I didn't sign up as a pastor just to call people to pray, but never go to that prayer room myself. I didn't sign up to call other people to give without giving myself. I didn't, call, I didn't sign up to give my life to Christ, to, to call other people to service and radical obedience and, and, and it, it just to not do it myself. Friend, I am in there. I am in there. Swinging. And until he comes back, I will continually be in there. Is this alright? I know. Some of you guys want to hurt me right now, but you'll get over it, you know. Honestly, I could care less. Uh, I I really... You know, I love you guys, but some of us need our cages rattled. You need to stop entertaining the ideas of getting to the prayer room. We need to start entertaining the ideas of living radical and obedient to Jesus. And we need to start doing them. <laughs> Love looks like something. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for these people. God, um, we just want to be obedient to put your word out there and then our own hearts respond accordingly. And so, Holy Spirit, we trust you. We trust you that this week you're going to flush this out. You're going to work this out. You're going to do your work in us. We trust you that you're powerful. You're able. Lord, even if we're cynical, offended, or jaded, even if we find ourselves, God, sleeping at the wheel in our own faith, Father, we trust, God, that you will sound the alarm in our own lives and that you will awaken us, God, that you won't allow us just to be laxed in our faith, that you won't allow us because you love us so much to just... Allow things, Lord, that are displeasing and things that you don't approve of to run rampant in our life. Jesus, we trust you. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask, come convict us of sin. (laughs) Lord, we gave the word. Now you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, convict our hearts. Father, remove the sting of condemnation. Father, I ask, Lord, that we as a body would know the difference between um, condemnation and conviction. Lord, that when we feel the, the prick of conviction, Lord, the, the, the cut of conviction, that we wouldn't run from, but we would run to the arms of Jesus. I'm going to ask my wife to come. I think she has something to share.
1: I just want to highlight a verse that Daryl touched on, um, but it really is key because I know that there's many of us, if we really unpacked the Hebrew and Greek understanding of sin, because there's many of us here that kind of go, I'm not out fornicating, I'm not a drunkard, Um, you know, there might be ways that we classify sin, but honestly, the the passage of scripture in Song of Solomon, when it says, catch, it actually uses the word specifically the little foxes. It wasn't like the big, roaring lions. and it, it, It's not this big, evident, manifest thing. It's the little foxes. And do you want to know what that actually understand, it means when you look at that scripture? It means the little areas of compromise. And so this is what I want to say to our community, is that everything that we're talking about in being awake, it really has, it, like Daryl said, it comes down to the issue of love. Our, us as a community, I want your mind to be set free free from an understanding of defining sin and holiness and even issues of being awake and slumber and things like that in the context of it somehow being legalistic or somehow it being um, under the law and that you're under liberty. You want to know something? In the context of Song of Solomon, the understanding of our relationship to the Lord is the understanding of being married to Jesus. And do you want to know something? When you consecrate your life to one person, You're not wholehearted in giving yourself. You know what that literally means? It means I'm choosing only one, which means I'll separate myself from all others. So you have to understand something. To guard love with Jesus, your love isn't just going to naturally grow. You have to vehemently guard your heart from other loves. You have to vehemently guard your heart from things that will take away love and those small areas of compromise. That's what causes love to grow. And do you know that in our relationship with Jesus, just as in a physical relationship between a husband and a wife, there can be places where it it doesn't mean that there's an adulterous affair. It can be things that distract from cultivating love. And so as a community, I think sometimes when we look at big words like sin, we're like, well, I'm not in sin. I want to say, let me, let me define it to you a different way. Is there something just simply distracting you from cultivating love with Jesus? So it's, it's, we're neglecting that relationship. And those are the little foxes Because instead of love increasing, because that's what he desires, love is being neglected and we're giving our heart and our affection to other things. And so it's that understanding that sometimes we define sin as certain things, but that is sin, is when there's a neglect of that growing, because that's what he desires, is we know his love for us, but he wants a responsive heart of love toward him.
0: All right. All right. One more thing, and I, I promise i won't i won 't do that where everybody just starts talking. God wants more for you than just a reputation. Come on you, you know it 's more than just a bumper sticker he wants on your card, your car you know it 's more than I love Jesus wherever on your wrist, or what would Jesus do? I know it sounds pretty cliche and corny, but it 's true all throughout the New Testament, from the Gospels to revelation. Jesus has been primarily concerned about one thing is that his church doesn't just have a title or a reputation, but actually their reputation precedes what's actually happening to them on the inside, taking place. And so, listen, today Hilltop has a reputation. Okay, it does. J-Hop has a reputation, but let's fight to have that reputation be reality in our inner man. Amen. Okay, Listen. On a lighter note, let's just uh, dull the whole atmosphere of this right down. Um, no, I'm just joking. Uh, no, but it's important. It, again, just going back to the beginning, listen, this is only part of what we do as a community. The real center of who we are happens in a prayer room and happens in a smaller context of family through our small groups. And so I want to encourage you guys to plug in and don't just come for a week or, you know, let your attendance be spotty. Really throw yourself into the mix and see what God might do in your life. Amen. And if you want any information, luckily we have people that are ready to give you any information that you need. We love you guys and come back next Sunday for the next part of the series.